O Lord, open our lips, and our mouths shall proclaim your praise. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We welcome you here, those of you gathered live here in the nave of Marsh Chapel at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, a greeting also to those listening live at WBUR 90.9 FM throughout New England or over the internet at WBUR.org, or those listening live, we pray as well, on the podcast later at bu.edu slash chapel. My name is Brother Larry Whitney. I have the privilege of serving as University Chaplain for Community Life here at Marsh Chapel. I bear greetings on behalf of our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, as he is away this week, but looks forward to being back with us next Sunday. We kick off our National Summer Preacher Series this Sunday uh, with under the theme of New Directions in Discipleship. My condolences as you are afflicted with yours truly kicking off that series. My gratitude to my colleagues in ministry and their leadership this morning, and as always to the Marsh Chapel Choir under the direction this morning of Mr. Justin Thomas Blackwell. Let us stand as we are able in the praise of God.
the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Jesus said, before you offer your gift, go and be reconciled. As sisters and brothers in God's family, together we plead God's forgiveness. May God have mercy on you, forgive your sins, and bring you to everlasting life. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let us share with one another signs of Christ's peace. Let us pray. God, our Savior, look on this wounded world in pity and in power. Hold us fast to your promises of peace, won for us by Jesus Christ, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. 
A lesson from the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering, and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 6, verses 12 through 23. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are no longer under law but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, So now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 13 with the antiphon. forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. stand as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel.
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. We journey together in these summer months, we who gather along the banks of the Charles, whether near or afar. We journey along with friends and with guests during our annual Summer Preacher Series here at Marsh Chapel. We journey this summer, charting new directions in discipleship. Over the course of this liturgical year, year A of the Revised Common Lectionary, we have been journeying with Matthew, who is the leftmost figure in our altarpiece here at Marsh Chapel, depicting Jesus and the four evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. For the past three weeks, we have abided for a time in the 10th chapter of Matthew's Gospel, as Jesus calls and sends out the 12 disciples. We would do well to remember how that sending begins in verses 5 and 6. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Most of the rest of the 10th chapter delineates just how fraught their mission will be, replete with persecution, rejection, and division. At last, we come this week to the final three verses of the chapter and the conclusion of Jesus' mandate in mission to the disciples. At last, things are beginning to look a bit brighter. At last, the disciples are encouraged to gird up their loins and persevere, for they will receive the just rewards of the righteous if they do. And so, Jesus declares, Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. In sum, good things come to those who persist. And so we pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off, emboldened and encouraged by Jesus' words of instruction. Off we go, continuing on our journey. Now, wait a minute, I forgot. Where was it you said we were to go again, Jesus? Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Israel, right, off we go. Now, wait just a second. We are of the house of Israel. We 
descend from the house and family of Jacob. And what's more, so do you, Jesus. Well, isn't this a fine how do you do? This is no journey to see the sights, to get out in the world, to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. Jesus is telling us to go home. Indeed, Jesus finds it easier to find faithfulness outside of Israel than within. Just back in chapter 8, we recall that when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, appealing to him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed in terrible distress. And he said to him, I will come and cure him. The centurion answered, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. When Jesus heard him, he was amazed and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and will eat with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the heirs of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Many will come from east and west and will eat with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. We remember that God made covenant with Abram, who was renamed Abraham, and that his descendants would become nations, including both of his sons, Isaac, who he almost sacrificed, and Ishmael, who he sent away, and whose nation was the harbinger of Islam. But it was Isaac's son Jacob who was renamed Israel, whose tribe would become lost, so that Jesus must send the disciples to find them. Indeed, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. And the heirs of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It would be all too easy, and over the course of Christian history, we have proven all too susceptible to making this finding of a lack of faith in Israel a justification of anti-Semitism. To be sure, the community of the Gospel of Matthew was in the midst of a wrenching divorce within the synagogues between those who believed that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, and those who did not. However, it would be a mistake to conclude that the moral of this story is to write off those who did not understand Jesus to be the Messiah. The moral of the story instead is that to learn what it means to be faithful— that is, what it means to be a disciple, and thus what we should be teaching and mentoring each other to become. We may have to look outside 
of our own community. As Jesus did here in the 8th chapter, and again in the 15th. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David! My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is not a matter of those outside of Israel being right and those within being wrong. This question as to proper faithfulness and discipleship in Matthew is not anti-Semitism. Just as Jesus found a Roman centurion and a Canaanite woman to be faithful by contrast with Israel, so too he found his own Israelite disciples to be faithful by contrast with his natural family in the 12th chapter. While he was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But to the one who told him this, Jesus replied, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So, you want to be a disciple of Jesus, do you? Go home. Go home. Go home to the lost sheep of Israel. That is, go home to the church. Your church. Your tribe and your nation. And testify to the faithfulness you have encountered on the highways and byways of life. Go home to your brothers and your sisters and your mother and tell them of those from the east and from the west whom you expect to meet at the banquet table of heaven. My, 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 you may be thinking. That does sound hard. Indeed, there is a great deal more at stake in providing welcome, 
in providing hospitality, whether to a prophet or to a righteous person or to a little one, than merely providing food and drink and shelter. After all, to welcome one of them is to welcome Jesus, is to welcome God. Consider, then, the sermon preached on Palm Sunday in 1959 at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., He took as his sermon text two passages from the Gospel of John. I have other sheep which are not of this fold, from the 10th chapter. And verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. From the 14th chapter. Dr. King applied both of these verses to Gandhi, and in doing so made two significant moves. The first is to simultaneously acknowledge the religious otherness of Gandhi, and to adopt that very otherness of Gandhi's life, practice, thought, and person into the fold of God. King argues that Gandhi is a Christian not by being a Christian, but by being a Hindu, and thus not of this fold. This is to say that it is by virtue of Gandhi's Hinduism that he belongs to King's God. The second move is even more startling, especially since it arrives in a sermon on Palm Sunday, third only in importance on the Christian liturgical calendar to Christmas and Easter. The appellation of the second text signals that Dr. King believed that in his life, Gandhi had achieved greater things than Jesus. To be sure, by noting that Jesus predicted this, King is safeguarding the sanctity of the Christian narrative. Nevertheless, the greatest accomplishment of Jesus, according to that Christian narrative, is nothing less than the salvation of the world. It is that very Christian narrative, then, that Dr. King employs to elevate the significance of Gandhi's life to the level of soteriological efficacy. This is a shocking move for any Christian preacher to make, even one trained at the Boston University School of Theology. Dr. King came north via Morehouse College in Atlanta and Crozier Divinity School in Philadelphia to take his Ph.D. in systematic theology at Boston University. It was on that journey that he learned about Gandhi, not least from the Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman right here at Marsh Chapel. 
Then he went home. He went home to the south. He went home to Atlanta and to Selma and to Montgomery, and he testified to the faithfulness he had encountered on the way. And what did Gandhi's faithfulness consist in, you may be wondering? The faithfulness of Gandhi may best be summed up in a word, satyagraha, loosely translated, insistence on or holding fast to truth. Satyagraha was the name Gandhi gave to his philosophy of nonviolent resistance. It was also the name he gave to the ashram he founded. Of the first half of the term, Gandhi says, the word satya, truth, is derived from sat, which means being. Nothing is or exists in reality except truth. That is why Sat, or truth, is perhaps the most important name of God. In fact, it is more correct to say that truth is God than to say that God is truth. But as we cannot do without a ruler or a general, names of God such as King of Kings or the Almighty are and will remain generally current. On deeper thinking, however, it will be realized that sat or satya is the only correct and fully significant name for God. A testament to truth we may also find yet further east in China. Consider then the words of the scholar Shunza of the 3rd century BCE. If a man has attained perfection of truthfulness, he will have no other concern than to uphold the principle of humanity and to behave with justice. If with truthfulness of mind he upholds the principle of humanity, it will be given form. Having been given form, it becomes intelligible. Having become intelligible, it can produce transmutation. If with truthfulness of mind he behaves with justice, it will accord with natural order. According with natural order, it will become clear. Having become clear, it can produce transformation to cause transmutation and transformation to flourish in succession is called the power of nature. Truth is at the root of the power of nature. Truth is the only correct and fully significant name for God. Here are my brother and my sisters and my mother. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Could the will of God be anything other than truth? Faithfulness. Discipleship. Many will come from east and west and will eat with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Faithfulness. Discipleship. 
Go home. Go home. Go home to the lost sheep of Israel. Go home to your tribe and your nation. Go home and testify to the faithfulness you have encountered on the highways and byways of life. Go home and witness to the discipleship of the Roman and the Canaanite and the Hindu and the Rue. Go home to your brothers and your sisters and your mother and tell them of those from the East and from the West whom you expect to meet at the banquet table of heaven. Amen. Good morning. Please be seated. However you self-identify, in the pew, or listening to the radio, or the podcast, or the webcast, you are very welcome here this morning. Good morning. We would like to get to know you better and to help you to get to know each other better, so please participate in our ritual of friendship. Sign the red books found at the end of the pews on the center aisle, pass them along the pew, and then pass them back to the center so you can see with whom you are sitting and can greet each other after our worship. All are welcome at the Lord's table for this morning's communion. There is wine in the chalice on the pulpit side and alcohol-free grape juice in the chalice on the lectern side. Gluten-free wafers are also available. Please just ask. (laughs) 
There are other communication uh, sorry, there are other communion invitations in the bulletin. Please ask any of our ushers for assistance. If, after taking communion, you are moved to prayer for healing in an area of your life that calls for attention, with the laying on of hands and anointing of oil, please join the members of the healing prayer group under the first windows on the pulpit side of the nave. Please feel free to stay until you are prayed with as the service continues to hold us all in worship. Immediately following our worship is our annual holiday barbecue. All are welcome at the chapel table as well. Just go downstairs through the corridor and out the back chapel doors or go outside and around to the back of the chapel. And please do not hesitate to join us. We're pretty friendly, and somehow around here, there is always enough to go around. Continuing information about the life of Marsh Chapel can be found at our website, bu.edu forward slash chapel, where there is also an opportunity for online giving. You can also visit with us through social media, facebook.com forward slash Marsh Chapel, and Twitter at Marsh Chapel. And now our ushers will wait upon us for our tithes, our gifts, and our offerings. In the mutuality of our life in God, we give because we have received, and we receive because we give.
We give you thanks, O God, this day for life and work and peace. Now bless these gifts and the givers, we pray, to the work of ministry in this place and throughout the world. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of the universe. You are the giver of this bread, fruit of the earth and of human labor. Let it become the bread of life. Blessed be God, now and forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of the universe. You are the giver of this wine, fruit of the vine and of human labor. Let it become the wine of eternal life. Blessed be God, now and forever. As grain once scattered on the fields and grapes once dispersed on the hillside are now reunited on this table in bread and wine, so, Lord, may your whole church soon be gathered from the corners of the earth into your kingdom. All things come from you, and of your own do we give you. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. Truly it is right and good to glorify you at all times and in all places, to offer you our thanksgiving, O Lord, Holy One, Almighty and Everlasting God. Through your living word you created all things and pronounced them good. You made human beings in your own image to share your life and reflect your glory. When the time had fully come, you gave Christ to us as the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus accepted baptism and consecration as your servant to announce the good news to the poor. At the Last Supper, Jesus bequeathed to us the Eucharist that we should celebrate the memorial of the cross and resurrection and receive the divine presence as food. To all the redeemed, Christ gives the royal priesthood and, in loving all named as sisters and brothers, chooses those who share in the ministry that they may feed the church with your word and enable it to live by your sacraments. Wherefore, Lord, with all the angels and all the saints, we proclaim and sing your glory. Lord God of the universe, you are holy and your glory is beyond measure. Upon your Eucharist, send your life-giving Spirit, who spoke by Moses and the prophets, who filled the Virgin Mary with grace, who descended upon Jesus in the River Jordan and upon the apostles on the day of Pentecost. May the outpouring of this Spirit of fire transfigure this Thanksgiving meal, that this bread and wine may become for us the body and blood of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit. May this Creator Spirit accomplish the words of Jesus Christ, who, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
After supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this for the remembrance of me. Great is the mystery of faith. Lord Jesus, we proclaim your death. We celebrate your resurrection. We await your coming in glory. Wherefore, Lord, we celebrate today the memorial of our redemption. We recall the birth and life of Jesus Christ among us, his baptism by John, his last meal with the apostles, his death and descent to the abode of the dead. We proclaim Christ's resurrection and ascension in glory. We hope in our great high priest who ever intercedes for all people. We look for the coming of Christ at the last. United in Christ's priesthood, we present to you this memorial. As we remember Jesus' sacrifice, grant to people everywhere the benefits of your redemptive work in Christ. Come, Lord Jesus. Behold, Lord, this Eucharist, which you yourself gave to the church, and graciously receive it as you accept the self-offering of Jesus Christ, whereby we are reinstated in your covenant. As we partake of Christ's body and blood, fill us with the Holy Spirit, that we may be one single body and one single spirit in Christ, a living sacrifice to the praise of your glory. Come, Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your one holy Catholic and apostolic church, redeemed by the self-sacrifice of Christ, reveal its unity, guard its faith, and preserve it in peace. Remember, Lord, all the servants of your church, bishops, presbyters, deacons, and all to whom you have given special gifts of ministry. Remember also all our sisters and brothers who have died in the peace of Christ, and those whose faith is known to you alone. Guide them to the joyful feast prepared for all peoples in your presence, with the Blessed Virgin Mary, with the patriarchs and prophets, the apostles and martyrs, and all the saints for whom your friendship was life. With all these we sing your praise and await the happiness of your kingdom, wherewith the whole creation, finally delivered from sin and death, we shall be enabled to glorify you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. United by one baptism in the same Holy Spirit and the same body of Christ, we pray as daughters and sons of God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. The cup of blessing for which we give thanks is our communion in the blood of Christ. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. 
Go home. Go home. Go home to the lost sheep of Israel. Go home to the church, your church. Go home to your tribe and your nation. Go home and testify to the faithfulness you have encountered on the highways and byways of life. Go home and witness to the discipleship of the Roman and the Canaanite and the Hindu and the Rue. Go home to your brothers and your sisters and your mother and tell them of those from the East and from the West whom you expect to meet at the banquet table of heaven. Amen.